0: If you have not listened to Episode 10, Faith Journey, please do so. It is part of Nick Sharlambas' story. We pick up where we left off in Episode 10. Enjoy. Intersection is brought to you by Social Health Institute, exploring new and innovative ways for hospitals and healthcare organizations to develop and enhance their social media and digital marketing strategies. Learn more at socialhealthinstitute.com.
1: We understand that, that there are things that we don't, we don't know we can do unless we test ourselves.
0: Welcome to Intersection. I am Bobby Ratu, storyteller. In part two of this story, Nick Charalambas had to overcome a terrible cycling accident and chart a path for one of the biggest fights of his life, stage four bone cancer. Nick's journey is one of a determined spirit one of spiritual exploration, one that led him to explore every fundamental facet needed to merely live. He realized death was possible. This will to live was bigger than just fighting cancer, a faith journey that took him over and over and over again from a small town in upstate South Carolina across the state to the Medical University of South Carolina in Charleston. This geographical journey brought him back to one of his greatest passions, cycling. He found his physical restoration was a small part of his faith journey, one that took him to train, to get back on his bike, and to return from the coast, visiting every campus that is a part of New Spring Church. Here is the second part of his story, facing death, fighting cancer, and rebuilding to return home
1: to a place he loves and calls home. You know the doctors were able to stabilize me, um, but you know when they were trying to figure out how to treat this disease, I mean it was clear for them that, that number one, it was a rare form of of uh, non Hodgkin's lymphoma, and they didn't have a protocol for it. I mean I remember the doctor saying, you know, you know, for most of the cancers that we come across, oh yeah, there's a mount by this point in time, there's a mountain of research. Uh, for your cancer, there's a molehill. I mean, and that was about the most honest, you know, that he. I'm um, not that he was trying to be dishonest, but like that was the most blunt and, uh, you know, forthright that he was throughout the whole. Did game. you appreciate that bluntness? I did, absolutely did. And you know, what was ironic was, you know, he was, you know, sharing all this pretty grim information with me, and and I guess all I, I kept thinking was, number one, am I am I ever going to walk again? Because at that point, I could not walk. And number two, am I ever going to get on my bike again? <laughs> and he, he basically said, I think you've got far more serious things to be concerned about, you know? And so again, that was probably the closest he came to saying, if, we, if you are alive, you will be doing well. Going back to your original question. So I, I think I, I didn't, I really wasn't thinking about uh, recording this journey in with cancer as a as anything really like whether it's a memorial to uh, you know my life in some form or fashion or whether it would be a victory you know uh, a declaration of victory in some form or fashion i just i think there were just other things that 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 i knew were more important than that that you
0: know i felt like your path and i followed your path when tom told me about your diagnosis number one i'm a believer. I'm a skeptic. And I'm a heretic. <laughs> um, I asked lots of questions. And at that moment in time, I wanted to believe that you would make it. Mm. I would watch inside the pictures that Heidi would take and your your time at MUSC. And I would pop a few comments on there that I was praying for you. And I don't say that lightly. Mm. You know, I, When I mean that, I really mean it. Thank you. And, and I say that because, you know, talking about Christ is a very personal thing for me. Mm. I don't share it with many people. Tom is one of the few people that I share it with. And and I think a lot of it has to do with that I inherently am somewhat still a heretic. But following your journey was very was special for me because I I saw your determination. Mm. Talk about your diagnosis. Talk about your goal and your path and talk about your relationship with Christ through that process.
1: So my diagnosis was a T-cell non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And, you know, I guess my prognosis was in the early going pretty – grim because they really didn't know how to treat it so the the critical component in my view of the treatment protocol was was giving me what's called a monoclonal antibody that is still a fairly new treatment and uh it basically locks into one of the uh, on a cancer cell there's kind of like proteins that you know i guess are like the keyhole and the monoclonal antibody is the key, and it kind of locks in there, and, and it can inject chemotherapy directly into the cancer cell. Uh, so again, you know, pretty advanced medicine, and you know, fortunately for me, my doctor at MUSC is an accomplished uh, cancer researcher and and physician clinician, and so he was able to, uh, you know, identify the possibility that this would work. And so, um, so yes, so, you know, during this, you know, um, early going, I guess, you know, my, my first thought really, and, and it, you mentioned determination, but, I, I, you know, I remember even blogging, one of the blogs I did right during the season was like, don't call me a, a cancer fighter. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm not, I wasn't, I felt very much like this wasn't about me fighting cancer with determination. This was about me letting God fight for me. And what essentially I needed to do was, um, I guess, tuck myself under his protection and his armor, if you like, and follow him into the battle. And that he would cover my back, and that the only uh, thing I needed to worry about was staying close to him. And so, uh, so that's really the source of my peace from the almost the very beginning. I mean, almost the very first minute of that phone call that I received from the from the doctor locally to where I'm at right now. I mean, it was like it was stay close, stay close to God, stay close to Jesus. He is going to be fighting for you all the way through. I realized that death was possible, very, very, very possible. And I was at peace with that idea. And I recognized that the healing that God promises could absolutely come from passing from this earthly world into heaven uh, with him, into eternity with him. Um, Absolutely believed that that was possible a very reasonable explanation <laughs> of of what was going to happen next. But I also had felt very strongly that God had given me a promise. I felt like he had spoken to my heart before I even had been diagnosed with cancer, that this suffering that I was experiencing would be for a little while and that he would himself restore confirm, strengthen, and establish me. That's a scripture out of 1 Peter 5, 10. And uh, I guess I kept those two realities firmly in mind, that the suffering might be for a little while on earth so that I would be with Christ in heaven, or it truly would be a little suffering on earth and he would bring me through alive, strong, you know, uh, you know, and restored and so the battle spiritually and physically and emotionally all the way through the you know rehab process the recovery process the chemo everything was trying to remind myself that healing was physical healing on earth was something that I could look forward to and I had to believe by faith was possible and that I had to act as though it were going to happen by faith. And so, <laughs> you know, so there was always this, this pull in my soul to say, oh, well, look, I'm fine with dying. Like, I mean, obviously my wife is going to be, you know, traumatized and obviously all my friends and family are going to be grieving. And I, I obviously was regretful of that if that were to happen. But I was fine personally with the idea of meeting Jesus face to face, and so it was like, okay, I'm I'm good. But if the Lord has promised me healing and re- full restoration, then I have to believe that with full faith as well, right? And so it was a very interesting dynamic uh, for me. And so I think it came into its own when you know I had a stem cell transplant. Uh, well, I was first. Able to get to remission within I think eight or nine months. Uh and then after that, the doctors said, Okay, well, we think that you could probably do a stem cell transplant. We don't think, ironically, they said we don't think it's gonna be successful. <laughs> but uh but we gonna That's tra- encouraging. That's right, right. <laughs> it's so, like thanks. You know, the, the chances are not good. I mean, my doctor literally At least
0: said, he sets you up for for success,
1: regardless of what it was, <laughs> right? He 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 said, "I don't think it's going to be successful, but it's going to buy us some time." He, I think, is what he was trying to get at was it was going to buy us some time. And so I said, "Okay, let's do it." And uh, you know, once the stem cell transplant started proceeding in a fairly you know uh, you know positive way, that's when I started realizing, okay, well, what what is this new life? cured going to look like, you know, again, anticipating that reality by faith. And I think
0: you are articulating something that I think many individuals struggle with, regardless if you're agnostic, atheist, or even a Christian. Um, And I'd love for you to to react however you feel necessary to react. But I'm going to try to not generalize, but share – in the po- path of working with the National Cancer Hospital for mm. many years, helping them communicate, many hospitals across the country, we have met so many people in their cancer journey. I've I, I could show you pictures of my favorite cancer patients, mm. uh, the pink-haired lady from Arizona, who I just love. She makes me cry when I think mm. about her. But one of the things I think that I hear from her, and even my wife as she walked through watching her mother pass away mm-hmm. is she struggled with and many struggled with that I heard from is that why did God save me mm-hmm. and not her? Or why can that individual say it's about God gave me all the glory. Grace. Or the grace. Yeah. Or all those things, those statements were why did Is God responsible if you heal, but not responsible if you die? And what was interesting that you said something that has made me shift my thinking a little bit Mm. is that you're not talking about mortal healing. Mm -mm. You're talking about spiritual healing. Is that correct, or do you see those in parallel? That it's not that God is looking at you and ignoring everybody else. It's just you're describing your healing path, your spiritual path as well. Would you agree with that? Or is that cancer path and the mortal path work
1: in parallel? Yeah, I think it I think it works in parallel. I mean, I think one of the heavy, weighty, mysterious parts of faith in Jesus is that he is absolutely fully uh, in control he is sovereign is the word that we use to describe his complete control so there's never any part of what happens to us here on earth that one could claim is outside of his will in one sense and so the emotional point that that i would feel and i instantly responded to in your question was there's a great deal of cancer survivor guilt that I, I deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, guilt's probably the wrong word to use. Let's just say awareness, a humbling awareness that I have literally no, I have deserved none of the grace that's been poured out to me. That like there is no reason whatsoever that, you know, in me that I should have received you know, his miraculous protection over my life twice. There's really no reason why. I mean, I remember when I was, you know, praying for survival, uh, you know, I mean, I would have been happy with that alone. You know, the fact that my body was fully restored. I mean, to athletic fitness that I did not have before the cancer, before the wreck. Um, th- this is grace upon grace upon grace, right? And, and I struggle with that. I mean, there was one of my first uh, leaders in ministry, Zach Smith, uh, back in 2010, I think it was, lost his life to colon cancer, and he left behind three beautiful children and a beautiful young wife. And I literally struggle every time I see the kids or I see his wife, because it's like, I, I survived and he did not. And and it's a very, very weighty thing. I mean, like, and I think at the end of the day, the way I've, I, I haven't understood God's will, you know, as to why I survived and others haven't. But I do understand the will that God has for us to worship and to praise and to thank him if we have received his unspeakably great grace. And so I was determined, and I remember feeling this very much as I was in the hospital uh, finishing up my stem cell transplant. Um, that God said that my my journey on this cancer would not be complete until I declared His mighty deeds. That and, and in in Psalm forty verse three, he drew attention to the fact that many would see and fear and trust in the Lord. And so you know I felt very strongly that, that that was that was what I owed. The worship, the praise, the thanks to God is what I owed him in return for this great grace. And that was all that I could do that like you know the grace that he had poured out on me was unexplainable. And all I was responsible for was saying thank you.
0: Now a quick break to ask you for your help. Did you know Intersection Podcast is part of a network of shows? And we're looking for your feedback. We would appreciate your help if you could take a few minutes to fill out a short listener survey. Go to survey.intersectionpodcast.com. That is survey.intersectionpodcast.com intersectionpodcasts.com. We hope you'll share your experience. Hi there, this is Bobby again. We need your help. If you like Intersection, we'd really appreciate you taking a moment to leave us a review. Whether you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Stitcher, please take a moment to leave a review. This is important because it helps others find our show. Thank you so much for your help. When you announced that you wanted to do a bike ride. Yeah. And I think it's kind of symbolic in a way. If you think about it, yeah. for many people that are going to listen to this across the country, they, the upstate, the Anderson area is three and a half hours by drive. Yeah. If you drive 75, 85 miles an hour mm. to Charleston, to MUSC. Right. Yeah. But you chose to return home with a bike ride. Talk about that bike ride. Where'd it come from and why'd you do it?
1: Yeah. So I think the bike ride part was kind of a couple things. So like number one, bike riding is for me, it has a spiritual dimension to it. I mean, I'm on my own most of the time when I'm riding, I I do it solo and it's a time for me to, spiritually, I guess, hang out with God and um, it's beautiful. I mean, creation is beautiful and, you know, I get a chance to just, you know, um, I don't know, there's something very, again, spiritual about feeling your body, you know, in a way being exerted, being, you know, tested to its limits, you know. And so, um, so anyway, so when, when I felt as though uh, I had to uh, declare full physical healing, you know, it was kind of an act, it was a declaration of faith It was saying like, you know, God said I would be fully physically healed, fully restored. And he said to me that, you know, I think in response to one of my prayers, I asked him, to make my body better than it was before the cancer. And so I thought, well, what could I do that would prove that to be true? Like if I was going to experience the full truth and the full reality of this miraculous healing, what would I need to do (laughs) to realize it, to manifest it, to show it? And I thought, well, it has to be some... Crazy, unreachable, you know, athletic achievement. And how about riding my bike some crazy distance? And, you know, originally I thought, well, why not do a bike across America? But it very quickly occurred to me that that would be a six week, probably, journey and very logistically challenging. And one day I was, you know, in the offices at New Spring and, you know, I'd been praying about it for a few months. And I remember seeing, a map of South Carolina and all our campuses arranged on the map and it looked like a loop. And I thought, well, how about that? Wouldn't that be a great way to say thank you for all the people that were praying for me at the time, say thank you to my church for standing by me and, 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 you know, providing, you know, support and prayer and, 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 you know, great healthcare and and, and such for me. And, it was a quite long distance. I mean, I could see just by the state of South Carolina, that it would be close to a thousand miles. And so, you know, that's that's the genesis of the Miracle Tour of South Carolina. I mean, I basically decided that I would be serious enough about it that I would make a plan, like I would sketch out, I guess, what those routes would look like to, to bike them every day. And see how quickly it would, you know, I could make it across the state. And um, I could figure it out to do about a 70 mile ride every day for about two weeks. And a few months before, just by Providence, um, my church had started this uh, sabbatical program where if you've been on staff for more than seven years, you would get a three week sabbatical. And I thought, well, okay, I can do it in two weeks, I've got a three week sabbatical coming up. That's what I'm going to do. What was that journey like? Yeah, I mean, frightening. <laughs> so, I mean, I remember the early, you know, when, when I got to the place where I was going to go public, that I was going to do this um, Cancer Miracle Tour of South Carolina. I It was about, I think it was May 1st, I think. And, um, you know, I had sketched out the idea of starting in at the end of June, So I had about six weeks where I was public with this intent and I had sketched out some training rides and such. And I remember um, it just dawning on me just how crazy this idea was because, you know, I mean, at the very beginning of my training rides, I could barely ride more than 30 or 35 miles, you know, you know and feel good about it you know like you know oh it's an easy ride at 35 miles. I didn't feel anywhere close to that at the beginning right and so if I can't even cover half the distance of one day it it occurred to me that this might be a step too far um you know by the end of that six-week training season I had gotten to the place where I could do maybe one long ride during a weekend so you know 70 miles or so I think actually, I think I ended up doing two back-to-backs. I, th- I think that was the pinnacle of my training. But here I was sketching out not only thirteen days of those, but two of the days were even rides in the ninety and a hundred mile distance. Um, and so, you know, I was fearful. I mean, I had a lot of equipment failures, and my bike was uh, you know, I, I try to get it fitted professionally so that I would have the most comfortable possible experience. Not that it's ever comfortable being on a bike for six or seven hours a day, but, um, you know, or five, I guess if, if, if it was a shorter day. Um, but yeah, so a lot of things were going wrong. My fitting didn't go the way it was supposed to go and it was uncomfortable and I couldn't figure out what to do about it. Um the very weekend before I set out, we I went to a totally different fitter and he totally reworked the entire bike and and basically told me I needed to buy new pedals and and new cleats and everything. and I didn't have enough time to test out test out that new arrangement of equipment uh, until literally the morning I was setting out. So I was filled with fear, filled with, anxiety. I honestly at that point was thinking, well, everyone's going to be thinking that I, I you know, I I'd, I'd talked this up, I'd gone public with fundraising. Uh, and, and, you know, I think I'd already received a thousand plus dollars and, you know, support TV stations and newspapers had done my story. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my goodness, this is going to go terribly. I'm going to hit day three or four and I'm just going to, my body's going to quit on me and I'm just going to look look like an idiot. Um, so, yeah, it was tough. It was tough that, that first few days because even though my body did pretty well the first two, three days, I was still thinking the shoe's going to drop. You know, the next climb, the next, you know, distance, my body's going to suddenly, my muscles are going to quit. And I'm going to pull a muscle. Something's going to happen. Um, And so, you know, uh, I was very fretful. And I think it was day three when I had a particularly arduous climbing day. So I had already in my mind assumed that, that most of the riding in South Carolina would be flat. Because I was heading down toward the ocean. And it was like, well, I mean, that seems downhill. So it's probably flat. Uh, did not realize that to get to you know the Midlands, you have to basically cross a ridge, a ridge line across the state, and in the watery section of uh, north, northeast of Columbia, the watery forest or whatever, there's there's pretty significant climbing hills there. And I remember doing about 15 miles of climbs. And I just hit, I guess, my rock bottom where it was like I had to realize that God was supernaturally giving me energy and strength for this because I had not climbed like that ever. Like not – I mean, I had done maybe a mile's worth of climbing of that intensity, 7% grades or whatnot. I was doing – You know, 7% grades for six miles and probably four, five, 6% grades for another 15, 10 to 15 miles. So I just, I just realized that your job, Nick, is to focus on the power of God here and he's gonna, he's gonna give you the strength that you need. I got through that ride and the very next day, everything was different because spiritually I was locked into the reality that this was not gonna be about my assumptions about what my body could do it was not going to be about how much training i did or didn't do it was not going to be about whether or not i was going to find water stops and you know deal with all of that logistical freight Uh, it was going to be okay god called me to this journey he's going to give me the suit he he miraculously healed me (laughs) enough that i could do this journey so he was going to provide miraculously everything that I needed to finish it. And once I would locked into that truth by faith, again, it was a faith test. And I failed it originally. <laughs> you know, in the first three days, I failed that faith test. But I think after that day, that day three, I, I locked into the reality that, that I needed to exercise my faith, not just my body. And the rest of the journey was Fun and adventurous and tough, challenging, but by no means stressful. It was refreshing to the soul. What can people learn from your story? Yeah, you know, I want people to learn. A and I ask things. that, and I
0: don't mean to interrupt, but yeah, I mean we've got a lot of narratives going. On. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we've got the narrative of the guy that started all this with mm-hmm. a bike wreck, right? And he's ending it. This not ending it, but. As a part of the apex of the story, he is conquering it through a bike ride. Right. You know? A dangerous one. A very dangerous one. We've got that narrative. We've got a cancer narrative. We've got this intersection of faith and life. Mm. So there's a lot of narratives that are happening in real time here. Mm. That's a bigger story. Mm -hmm. If
1: I'm an individual, what can I learn from your story? I mean, the obvious thing, obviously, for me is that when you are in a relationship with God, all things are possible with him, with him, you know, um, and I, you know, the number one takeaway for, for, for me is that, again, not because of any, you know, special faith on my part, but by pure, his pure grace um, he was able to do what would, medically speaking, seem physically impossible and um, miraculous. And so miracles for me, the word miracle for me is no longer a uh, catch-all term for unexplainable things. It really is a precise description of the power of God to do the impossible in us and through us. And I've experienced that, that miracle power. Um, So the first is obviously that that's true, that God is real and sovereign and gracious and loving and personal. So all of those things are true. The second learning I think for me is that there is a real sense in which whether or not you believe in the power of God, we can assume that there are things that are going to happen and there are going to be challenges we cannot overcome and there are going to be realities that we just have to adapt to. And I think... You know, commonly when we see, you know, these major, these amazing stories of say Lance Armstrong or whoever it might be, who's come back from a pretty significant sickness like cancer, you know, it's, it's, we can be very quick to rush to the idea of amazing grit, amazing courage, amazing determination, all of these things. And that, that, those things are absolutely true. But I think what I realize is what makes those things amazing is not some some special athletic physical ability that someone has or even a moral inclination that, that you know, a moral, you, you know, uh, posture that allows someone to succeed. It's not for me about personal glory you know it's not about look at what i as a human being can accomplish and can achieve um but i do think there is a sense in which you have to believe the outcome you want to see and so it's not necessarily that you're an athlete and have to reach some epic place of accomplishment it's that you have believed enough to get to do the the next step of rehab for instance that like so when i went from my muscles in my back are completely atrophied and i can't bend i can't sit up straight i can't stand straight i can barely walk i had to mentally emotionally spiritually in every way tell myself that i could not walk straight unless i believed that i could walk straight i could not rehab any one of my muscles unless i believed that by rehabbing those muscles i would be able to use them again and so there was this constant day by day week by week month by month conviction you know belief whatever you want to call that you know that i had to act the miracle that i wanted to see and um and i think you know regardless of where someone is in faith i think we understand what that looks like i think i think we we understand that that there are things that we don't we don't know we can do unless we test ourselves, unless we put ourselves in a vulnerable position, unless we put ourselves through pain sometimes, unless we put ourselves through, uh, you know, failure. You know, I mean, so, I mean, my rehab definitely was not a straight line. I mean, there were days when I felt like a failure. You know, there were six months six months in where I thought, well, okay, I've, I've, I've gotten this far, but you know, I'm still crooked. Maybe that's just the way I'm going to be. Maybe that's, maybe that's what, maybe that's the next step of faith. I would tell myself, maybe the next step of faith is to adapt to the reality. And yet every moment along the way, thankfully I, you know, was able to receive strengthening by God to believe that, no, that's not, The next step for you is not to adapt to what you cannot do it is to 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 uh uh discover what the healing that i've given you or in secular terms to discover what you really can do and so um and to explore what you can do and so um you know so that's a testing process that's a yeah, it's a very emotionally wrenching process because you're constantly dealing with the reality that, yeah, you could try and discover what your body can do and and hurt it. You could try and discover what your body can do and find out that you can't do what you think you can do. (laughs) You know, but so it takes a certain steel in your spirit to be able to deal with that. And I think what, you know, maybe I'm being a bit more philosophical than I intended to be, but like, I think that there is a part of us that doesn't sometimes want to face reality, right? And sometimes not facing reality is not facing the fact that you can accomplish more than you think you can. Sometimes not facing reality is not wanting to try.
0: So how has your journey, your story, changed or impacted how you tell stories moving forward?
1: Well, I haven't had much of a chance to work on a story since this journey, I guess, recently, you know. But in totality. In totality. I mean, I feel like I'm bolder than ever in wanting to discover and uh, share what God is doing in the world at all times um, through all types of people that, like, what has happened to me is remarkable but the fact is in small ways and even bigger ways than my story every you know there are many 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 thousands millions of people every day who are beneficiaries of this kind of grace and this kind of miraculous power and you know as a storyteller for the kingdom of god i want to be putting my heart and soul even more deeply into that, you know, than ever before. And, uh, you know, I think, um, I think the process that I'm going to be going through with, you know, um, I guess you could call it skilling, you know, is going to look different. I think I'm more aware now than ever before that the that, that social media and video and, and, and those types of tools have to be, a massively significant part of the uh, the way that we tell narratives, uh, that we do more real-time narrative storytelling than you know the uh, the look back the retrospectives that, that that I guess have marked most of the pieces that I've done in the past. But those are challenging in their own way, and um, you know I guess I, I guess I'm excited about exploring more real-time storytelling on behalf of other people, not just my own. The one and only Nick, the man, <laughs> one and only God that
0: I met. I finally get to meet after years of following your story. Mm. Thank you for your time.
1: Thank you for yours. Um, it's, it's- this was a real great privilege. And, and I hope that I hope people have uh, you know, enjoyed hearing and be encouraged by my story. And and I pray that, you know, what's not lost in all of this discussion is the reality that there are some really amazing advances being made in medical science um right now and uh you know cancer is not the death sentence that it used to be and and that's true regardless of whether you feel as though God is you know um, sovereignly, you know in control of bringing those treatments uh you know to you for healing um you know everyone um I want everyone to have access to the most, um, advanced and life-saving technologies that we have. Um, and, you know, I, I, just, I just hope that, that anyone who has recently been diagnosed with cancer or anyone um, that has a friend or family member that's been diagnosed with cancer, that their first thought is not that this is going to be um, the end of someone's life. That, that their first thought can be, there are there are going to be treatments there are going to be therapies there are going to be protocols that that are going to be followed they're going to be tough but my job is to believe to have hope to be encouragement to um the person struggling with cancer and that um they can look forward to some long life ahead you're awesome (laughs) thank you thank you
0: Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the conversation and exploration. Most importantly, the many intersections inside the world of storytelling. Intersection is powered by the Touchpoint Media Network, a podcast dedicated to discussions on all things healthcare. Go to touchpoint.health for many other podcasts exploring digital marketing and online patient engagement strategies, CIO and technology strategies, the challenges of the online physician, the power of the e-patient, and most importantly, the power of storytelling. To learn more, go to touchpoint.health. That is touchpoint.health.